Good morning. Uh, yeah, that's what I like to hear. Good hearty response. That's what I'm talking about. Right, my name is Amos. I'm uh, one of the staff members here at the Village Church. I stand just to give you all a couple of announcements. We're going to welcome you to the Village Church where our mission is to know Jesus to enjoy Jesus and to glorify Jesus. Our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. If you are a guest with us today, welcome. There are guest information cards located just outside the sanctuary doors in the narthex. Please fill out one and drop it in the basket. And We look forward to connecting with you. Village Church Faithful, if y'all see someone who is an unfamiliar face, uh, y'all try to uh, get them to uh, get connected with us by signing one of those cards. Uh, we do want to remind you all that our nursery is open today. So if you have children five and under that uh, you'd like to take to the nursery, uh, that is one of the ways that we uh, like to serve our families and our covenant children. At the Village Church, we believe that uh, the giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. So you may give to the vision and mission of the Village Church by using the link on our website, which is www.enterthevillage.net forward slash give. You can also mail a check to our physical address, which is 2103 Virginia Boulevard, Huntsville, Alabama, 35811. Or... After the service is over, you can drop your offering off in the designated area in the back of the sanctuary. So today, immediately following the worship service, uh, the village kids and youth will meet in the annex. And the adults will meet again here in the sanctuary uh, for the sermon follow-up discussion. Uh, also today, uh, our worship director, Patience is Teague, is out today, uh, and uh, volunteering in her spot is uh, Brother Marcus Nobles, who is the campus uh, ministry associate at uh, Alabama A&M. Uh, so uh, y'all get with my brother today as uh, he leads us uh, in worship of the triune God. So those are your announcements. As always, please govern yourselves accordingly. morning village fam good morning village family y'all have no idea how much of a privilege it is to stand here before you again this time worshiping amen worship is my favorite thing to do like my favorite thing to do because we get to take time and come to the feet of our savior who bought redemption for us and to do so in worship by singing and by praying and by hearing the priest's word. And for me, there's nothing better than that. Amen? So let's take a moment to prepare our hearts for worship.
Oh, come to the altar, say, oh, come to the altar, the altar. 
Amen. Now let's have our call to worship, which today comes from how majestic is your name. I'll read the part that says leader, and you follow along with the part that says congregation. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. All together, O Lord, we praise your name. O Lord, we magnify your name. Prince of peace, mighty God, O Lord, God almighty. Now let's sing our song of worship that says, To God be the glory. confession of sin comes from the Westminster Shorter Catechism. I will read the question and together we can read the answer. So question 32. What benefits in this life are shared by those who are effectively called? And the answer? In this life, those who are effectively called share in justification, adoption, and sanctification and the further benefits in this life which accompany or flow from them all. Thank you very much. Today's scripture reading comes from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. So beginning in 1, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus, And are faithful in Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from our God, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ in every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world 
that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, in the plan for the fullness of time, and to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, excuse me, in him, we have, excuse me, in him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Amen. Can you hear me? songs are holy but a goodie it says pass me not you want gentle savior amen
Come on. Thou, the spring of all my comfort, more than life to me. Oh, whom have I on earth beside Whom in heaven but thee? These are times for you to intercede on behalf of um, relationships and those that in your life that you know are suffering. Uh, this is time for you to you know, bring supplications to the Lord and also pray for you know, the persecuted church and pray for even for what's going on in the Ukraine. There is a Presbyterian missionary over in Ukraine right now, uh, mission to the, to the world, and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. So we can pray into the sufferings of the world. So I encourage you to pray with an expectation that you're not checking the box, but the Father actually hears you. So let us go to our Father now in prayer. Please join me. Lord, you do not pass us by. Even if we don't even believe it, it's still true. You are with us. You are with your people globally, not just here in America. Across this world, you are with your bride, your people, your beloved. And so us as saints here at the Village Church, we we want to intercede, Lord. We pray for what's going on, going on in the Ukraine with Russia. We pray, Lord, for peace. We pray for your church there, that you be with them. We pray for protection. And we pray for leaders, that the leaders will lead well and do what is right, Father. Give wisdom to our president as we figure out how, as, as America, what's going to be our response. So, Lord, we pray for wisdom. Uh, war, nothing good comes from war, Father. 
People's lives are lost. Property is damaged. There's nothing fun about it. And I know for us, because we're not in it, we're so distant from it, that we, we don't, it, 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 it's out of mind, out of sight. But Lord, there are people who are afraid right now. Kids who are afraid right now. Don't know what's going to happen. So Father, I pray that you will extend your comfort to them. I pray you give wisdom to the preachers and Christians that they will preach hope. And again, I pray for peace. I pray against this war. I pray that Russia will go back to their country. So give wisdom, Father, there, please. I pray for our body, those within our congregation who are struggling, those who are recovering from COVID and uh, other sicknesses, Lord, that you will be with them, heal their bodies, help them to you know, do what the doctor is telling them to do. I pray for parents. You give them extra measure of stamina, Lord. I pray for those who are tired of working over Zoom and, and not able to go into the office, that you give them stamina, Father, to continue to persevere. And, Lord, I pray, Father, for um, our relationships, that, that if there's issues and conflict, that we will keep short accounts with one another, Father. I pray for those who are loving our aging parents. And that is so hard, Father. It's so hard trying to love aging parents. I know from personal experience it is so hard and it wears on you mentally and emotionally and it's draining. And so I pray for our members who are in that phase of life that you give them the strength that they need to persevere, to fight through it. I pray for those in our church who who have lost jobs, who need employment, that you will provide for them, that you provide opportunities for them to be able to provide for their families. Lord, we we deal with real stuff. And it it makes no sense coming here every Sunday and pretending like we don't deal with real stuff. I know everyone looks good, but everything in our life isn't good. Everything isn't good. Everything is not like we want it to be. And so, Lord, we can come into this sanctuary and and not have to pretend. We can come and experience freedom to say, yeah, life sucks right now. But I'm here because this is where I need to be. I need to receive a word from my Father. It makes no sense to isolate when life isn't well. We need one another. When life is messed up, when relationships are hard, when you need a break and can't get a break. We need to draw closer to one another. And I pray that we will be a safe place for one another to be honest about the broken places in our life. Because sometimes church isn't safe. So Father, make us a safe place. I pray that you would do it for your glory and for the benefit of your people here at the Village Church. And I pray for all this in Christ's name. Amen. Good morning, saints. How are y'all doing today? Good. Good, good. Well, we are in Ephesians uh, chapter 1, uh, verses 11 through 14 today. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 14. The, the Chinese Cultural Revolution was a 10-year socio-political movement in China 
from 1966 to 1976. And many Chinese people today refer to the revolution as the, the 10 years of chaos. It was 10 years of chaos because it was characterized by violence and death. It damaged China's economy and traditional culture. An estimated 250,000 people to all the way up to 20 million people died in the aftermath of that revolution. Think about that. Up to 20 million souls died during that revolution. And how many of them didn't know Jesus? A lot of death, a lot of suffering, a lot of trauma. And against the backdrop of that revolution were the the Chinese Christians who kept the faith. Because there are Christians in other places around the world except America. And they persevered through this 10 years of, of death and chaos. And there was a hymn written during this time. It's a hymn that, that we sing today in, 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 all, in a lot of our hymns, in our hymnal books. And the hymn was translated into English by Francis P. Jones in 1953. And I want y'all to listen to these beautiful, comforting words written by some, Chinese, some suffering Chinese Christians. Father, long before creation, you chose us in love. Remember, they're saying this in the midst of suffering. Father, long before creation, you chose us in love. And that love so deep, so moving, draws us close to Christ above. Still, it keeps us firmly fixed in Christ alone. Though the world may change its fashion, you remain the same. Your compassion and covenant through all ages remain. And your own children shall forever praise your name. God's compassion is our story. Our boasting all day, mercy free, never failing, moves our will and directs our way. God so loved us that he gave his only son. Love and father now before thee, we will ever praise thy love. And our song will sound unceasing until we reach our home above. Glory to our God and to the Lamb. That hymn is all about the Father's blessing to his beloved sons and his beloved daughters. God is Father long before creation. Long before creation. He chose you for himself in love back in eternity past. With a love so deep, with a love so moving, and with a love that that still draws us close to Christ above. And still it keeps you, keeps you firmly fixed in Christ. Again, context is important. These words were written by those who were suffering, but never lost hope. Our God is compassionate. His covenant remains the same. His mercy is free. It will never fail us. And neither will his father's blessing. They will never fail you. All these blessings are all his covenant promises freely given to you in Christ. And so because of that, you can give him glory. Go ahead and give him a hand clap of praise, please. Yes. 
And this morning, we're going to glorify him by enjoying another father's blessing. We're going to begin to, um, to, to enjoy it because the sermon is going to be two sermons. I couldn't finish it. So it's found in Philippians 1, verses 11 through 14. And it's called the blessing of inheritance. The blessing of, inherit, of an inheritance. And my one big idea, my one big point is that in Christ, Believers are an inheritance, and believers also receive an inheritance. Believers are an inheritance, and they also receive an inheritance. Please pray with and for me. Holy Spirit, as we come to the preaching of God's word, like, like you need to do your thing because, I mean, if you're not moving, I mean, nothing's going to happen here. I mean, I can hoop, I can jump, I can clap, I can scream, I can yell. But if you're sitting back eating popcorn, it ain't not going to happen. Holy Spirit, we need you to move. We need you to move in my heart. We need you to move in the hearts of everyone that's here and everyone that maybe is watching on Facebook Live. You are the third person within the Godhead. You are the one who leads us into all truth. You are the one who convicts the world of sin. You are the one who reminds us of the words of Christ. And so, Spirit, we, we, I, I beg that you will come and that you will minister. Nothing, 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 nothing gets done in this world for the kingdom apart from you. And forgive us for taking you for granted. And forgive us for thinking if we just have the right education and the right books and the right people and the right songs and the, the, the right quotes, then, then boom, things get done for the kingdom. Forgive us for taking you for granted. Forgive us for thinking we don't need you. Forgive us for operating as if you're not even part of the Godhead. Holy Spirit. Will you humble us, humble our minds, humble our hearts, and let us receive what we need to receive from the word today. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. What pops up in your mind when you hear the term inheritance? What comes up? What is it? What is inheritance? Inheritance refers to the assets that people leave behind for their loved ones after they die. And these, it can be cash, it can be investments, jewelry, automobiles, cars, antiques, and real estate. And for some of you, it's going to be debt from your parents. That's a joke. Now, who are the people that come to mind when you hear the term inheritance? Who are the people? Now, for me, I don't know about you, for me, the people that come to mind are, are the rich and wealthy or trust fund kids who don't have to work for anything. That's who come to mind for me, but I don't know about you. But inheritance isn't a term that's just reserved for rich and wealthy people. Everyone can leave something, some kind of inheritance for their loved ones after they pass away, even us. Proverbs 13, 22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. You see, an inheritance 
isn't just about money and stuff. It isn't just about getting that nice big paycheck. It ain't just about getting a car or a house or whatever. An inheritance can also include leaving behind a legacy of godly character, integrity, and trustworthiness. What kind of inheritance will you leave behind? And what kind of inheritance do you want to receive? Now, if you are a believer, if you have saving faith in Jesus Christ, if you have surrendered to him and, and you trust him as your Lord and Savior, what does that term inheritance mean for you as a Christian? First, it means all believers are an inheritance to God. That's an amen statement. But do you believe it? In Christ, the church universal is God's inheritance. That means Christians in America, Christians in China, Christians all over the world. It's inheritance to him. And that is a father's blessing that is communicated to us in verses 11 through 13. You see, in these verses, Paul addresses both Jewish and Gentile Christians in those verses. He does so because both groups are members of the church in Ephesus. And he addresses them separately, yet inclusively, to show that both groups, though culturally and ethnically distinct, are equally chosen to be the people of God. Listen, you don't, you, you don't lose your culture and ethnicity when you become a Christian. You're just integrated in with everybody else. But do y'all believe that? See, Paul does this by using three pronouns. And we're going to get to three of them today. Four pronouns. We're going to get to three of them, but two of them today. We, you, our. We, you, our. We, you, our. In verse 11a, he says, in him we. In verse 12, he says, so that we who. In verse 13a, he says, in him you also. And in verse 14, he says, the guarantee of our. The pronoun we refers to the Jewish believers. The pronoun you refers to the Gentile believers. And the pronoun our refers to both groups together in community within this local church in Ephesus. Like I said, he addresses both groups separately yet inclusively to show that both of them are equally the chosen people of God. In verse 11a, look with me. Paul says, in Jesus Christ... We have obtained an inheritance. This pronoun, again, is being used in a broad sense. It refers to Paul, the Jewish believers in Ephesus, and broadly, it also includes the other Jewish people as well. But what do you mean by that, Pastor Alex? Well, I'm going to tell you. There's Old Testament language attached to verse 11a that's not brought out in many of our English translations. The NIV translation is close. It says, in him we were also chosen. But it's the American Standard Version that brings out the Old Testament language best. It reads, in him we were also made a heritage. Do you see the difference? Being made a heritage is different from attaining one. Being made an inheritance is different from obtaining an inheritance. One Presbyterian minister says in here in verse 11a, the Greek word indicates that we are a portion as an inheritance. The passive voice 
favors the notion that we are those who are made an inheritance rather than those who have obtained an inheritance. The we in verse 11a are the ones who are made to be an inheritance to God. That is Old Testament language. The ancient designation of God's covenant people is being applied to the pronoun we in this verse. Paul is broadly talking about the Jewish people being God's inheritance. If you read through the book of Deuteronomy, you get that. Deuteronomy 4 verse 20 says, But the Lord has taken you, brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be a people of his own inheritance, as you are to this day. This is Moses speaking to the people of Israel. Deuteronomy 7 verses 6 and 7 says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be the people of his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It is not because you are more than number. It is not because that it is because he set his love on you that he chose you. For you were the fierce of all the people. And Deuteronomy 9.29 says, this is Moses speaking to the Lord. He says, for they are your people and your heritage whom you brought out by your great power and by your outstretched hand. You see, the Lord predestined the ancient people of Israel to be his portion in eternity past. I hope you know that happened before Genesis 1, 2, and 3. It just didn't happen when he said, well, I'm going to call Abram and then I'm going to make it up as I go. God is not building the plane as he flies it. That's how we do it. But he doesn't, he doesn't do that. He's freely chosen them according to his purpose, according to the counsel of his sovereign will. And at the same time, the Jewish believers in Ephesus are believers because God chose them to be. He chose them in Christ also back in eternity past, before his divine work and creation. This means, listen to this, it's going to be a long sentence, but it's an important point. This means long before the Lord God chose the people of Israel to be his visible covenant people on earth in the Old Testament, he already chose which of them will actually be part of his invisible eternal people in Christ. That's what it means for him to predestine. He did both at the same time. The Jewish believers in this local church are part of God's visible covenant people, but, but, but their faith in Christ makes them part of the invisible covenant people of God. And that's an amen statement. So remember, the pronoun we in verse 11 is being used in a broad sense, but in verse 12, the pronoun is now used in a narrow sense. So in verse 11, Paul moves, he moves away from the broad Jewish people, and then he focuses only on those who are actually Christians. In verse 11, look at it. It says, in him we were made an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. The we there are the Jewish Christians within the church in Ephesus. They are the ones who were the first to hope in Christ. And hope in Christ means they have faith in Jesus. They have surrendered their life to Jesus and they trust Jesus. And that is to the praise of God's glory. That within his visible covenant people, there are those who come to receive his son and save in faith. 
Why do I got to keep pulling out the sign? I, I need to get a, a, a light. You know, when the game shows, when they push it, it says applause. I'm going to need to get a light up here and push when it's, when it, when it's supposed to say amen. Because we got to remember, the gospel is preached to the Jews first and then the Gentiles. And this is what Paul is basically talking about here. And what did Jesus tell the woman at the well in John uh, 4.22? What did he tell her? Salvation is from the Jews. And what does Paul say, say in Romans 1.16? For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. What is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes? To the Jew first and also to the Gentiles. One Baptist pastor put it this way. He says salvation comes to Gentiles from the root of God's covenant with the Jewish people. But neither Jew nor Gentile have priority in how they are saved. Both are saved by faith in Christ alone. So if you're, if you're Jewish today, then please note that does not save you. You still have to put that faith in Christ. And if, you are, if you're Jewish and you're a Gentile growing up in a Christian home, then please know that does not save you. Going to church does not save you. Does not save you. Living in the Bible Belt in the South does not save you. Being a conservative Republican does not save you. Being a progressive Democrat does not save you. None of that stuff saves you. Going to Bible studies, which are good, does not save you. Working for justice is a good thing, but that does not save you. Does not. What saves you is Christ alone. Christ alone. So do you know him? Do you know him? Making sure your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds ain't going to save you. Because you can never be good enough. So think about it. What can you add to what Jesus has already done? Not a thing. So Christ saves Jewish people and he saves Gentiles. Both. So that means he's a savior for all kinds of people. All kinds of people. He's a global savior. Please know that there's going to be other people in heaven that don't look like you. That don't vote like you. That don't talk like you, dress like you. And when we get to heaven, it ain't going to be segregation. We're all going to be there together. We're all going to be there together. And we get the taste of that here on earth. In verse 13, Paul writes, In you, in him, you also, in him, of course, that is Jesus. And again, that you there is referring to the Gentile believers because he's now bringing them in because they are members of the same church in Ephesus. They're there together. And if you read throughout the rest of this book, you know there are Gentiles and Jewish Christians in this church. And these Gentile Christians are Christians because they heard and understood the gospel. Then they too surrendered to Jesus and they placed their trust in Jesus. Because faith in Christ isn't you knowing facts about Jesus. There are a lot of unbelievers who know things about Jesus, but they don't. Hey, the devil knows things about him. He knows things about Jesus more than you do. But he does not trust him. He does not surrender to him. And that's what faith in Christ is. You surrender your life to him. 
and you trust him as your Lord and Savior. That is saving faith. That is what it means to hope in Jesus. And that's what the Jewish believers and the Jewish Gentiles, Jewish Gentile believers and the Jewish believers in the church are doing. Both groups are hoping in Christ. He's at the center of the church. And these believers, they are they are culturally and, and ethnically distinct, but they are equally chosen to be the people of God. Equally chosen. And notice, both of them are God's inheritance. Both of them are. But do you believe it? Do you believe it? The same is true for, for all the Christians today. The same is true for you in Christ. All believers are, are equally chosen to be God's people, regardless of their nationality, their race, their gender, their social status, or even their political loyalties. Because what we do is we use those things as sources of division in our culture, in our world. But God is saying, none of that stuff matters when you come to me. You all are equally mine, equally mine, equally chosen, equally loved, equally liked. It's one thing to know that God loves you, but to think about that he likes you takes it to a whole other level, doesn't it? Because you can love people not like being around them all the time. God likes being around you all the time. Because you are his beloved. Later in Ephesians, Paul tells the, the Jewish and Gentile believers, he's talking to them as a group, as a community. He says, for Christ himself is our peace. Notice the pronoun now. Christ himself is our peace. Who has made both of us one and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that, that he might create in himself one new man in the place of the two, so that making peace, it might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. He came and preached peace to those who are far off, as Gentiles, and peace to those who are near, that are Jews. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. That's what the cross does. That's what it's done for those two groups. And that's what it does for all the groups around the world today. There's no caste system amongst God's people. There is none. Do you think, that, who, who is your favorite celebrity preacher or Christian? You think God loves that person more than you? Do you think that person have a, have, is on a, this level and, and you're on this level? You're all the same. All the same. Just because their calling is different doesn't mean they, they love better than you. They just have a different calling than you do. But God loves both of you the same. There's no levels of rank. We're all the same in God's kingdom. The playing field is equal. Here's another important point. We all share the same Kingdom status, regardless of our various worldly statuses. Because what we do is, 
We equate worldly status with kingdom status, and you cannot do that. You cannot do that. Because if that was true, then that means God love American Christians more than the suffering Christians because we can do what we do without freedom of persecution. If that's what that means. No. Worldly status is not, is not the same thing as kingdom status. In God's kingdom, all his Christians, all his beloved are loved the same. He cares for us all the same, regardless of what we're dealing with in our various nations in which we live. Those things are not a reflection of how he loves us. So what is this same status that all Christians globally share, that all Christians have shared since the beginning of Christianity? All of you are equally God's treasured possession. At the same time. How can it be, Pastor? Well, he's God. Like, you can't even fathom that. I have a hard enough time trying to love the three people in my house. God loving us all the same at the same time with all of our junk? Yeah. That's how big and great he is. That's big God theology. He doesn't treasure one ethnicity more than another. So there's no room for white supremacy at all. No room for any other type of supremacy. That is not in God's kingdom. He doesn't treasure one gender more than the other. Males are not greater than females. Both are created in the image of God. Both are gifted by God. Both are a reflection of that image. So there's no room for any of that stuff that says, We're, I'm better than you. He treasures all his people the same. The same. He wraps his everlasting arms around us and takes care of us. Just like, what's your most treasured possession? And how do you take care of it? Do you loan out your treasured possession to certain people? Like, you might not see it again. Like, thank you. We all have things that we treasure. So don't come in here and pretend like you're holier than now. You have things that you treasure even a little more than you treasure Jesus. And how do you care for that thing or person? The same way you care for your treasure possession, God cares for you a lot more than that. He's not going to lend you out to nobody. For he, can't, he can't trust us with other, other people taking care of us. He does that. He does that. He's not going to pawn you off. He's not going to forsake you. I'm going to take a vacation from you. You're his possession. You're his treasured possession. I can't even imagine that. Why would God, the creator of the universe, want me as his treasured possession? <laughs> he has everything he could ever want, but he makes me, his covenant people, his treasured possession. Now you got to look at what these word pictures mean. They should bring you comfort. Or is it just sand in your hands? Because this is, this is good stuff. And does it really make a difference in your thought process at this moment? That when the Father looks at you, 
Even when you're struggling, you're still his treasured possession. Because you know some of you can be put out of the family will when you start acting a fool. But you know, God, you're always in the will. Even when you run off to the far country, you're still in the will. Still in the will. So, Pastor, you're saying that's nothing I can do to be outside the will? No. Because Christ already paid the price. Again, does that reach you here? In your heart? Or is your faith just intellectual? A bunch of theology, theological terms. Or is it relational, intimate? What? To be someone's treasure possession, that's intimacy. Intimacy. Let's put it this way. Every day is Valentine's Day when you're God's child. Every day. Every day. You're his Valentine. Even on your worst day. She my Valentine. He my Valentine. They my Valentine. All day long. All day long. God does not abuse you. As a treasure possession, he's going to take care of you. He's going to provide for you. And so this means, as, as Christians, that you're more than your sin struggles. You're more than that. You're more than your suffering. You're more than your insecurities. You're more than the, the way you um, have a tendency to put yourself down. You're more than that. You're more than your persecutions. You're more than your fears. You're more than a, a mom or a husband or a friend or a child or a daughter. Those are roles. And you're more than that. You're more than your doubts. More than your failures. More than your successes. More than your frustrations. More than your circumstances. You are chosen to be God's people. His treasured possession. His portion, his beloved, his inheritance. That's why this, this week, when you go out this week and when you're praying this week, I want you to tear yourself every morning when you look in the mirror. I'm God's inheritance. Flaws and all, I'm his portion. Because what you say to yourself is very, very important. You got to realize you talk to yourself more than anybody else. Do you speak curses over your life or do you speak blessings? Speak blessings over your life. Know who you are. It's a child of God. Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter 2, verses 9 through 10. He says, I'm going to use the southern pronoun, but y'all are a chosen race. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that y'all may proclaim the excellencies of him who called y'all out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once y'all were not a people, but now y'all are God's people. Once y'all had not received mercy, but now y'all have received mercy. 
Memorize that. Pray that every day until it gets into your heart. Let us pray. Father in Christ, we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for your own possession. Thank you. And I pray in, in light of that, if we don't believe that, we can't proclaim your excellencies. So help us believe who we are and let that reflect in a way that we navigate and live life in the spaces and places in which we live. So thank you, Jesus, for making us God's inheritance. And I pray that, Spirit, you would take these truths and let, those, let them impact the way in which we talk to ourselves and, and the things that we say about ourselves and also in how we relate to other believers, that they, too, are part of God's inheritance. And that should change the way in which I do life with them. So thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you for your mercies. And I pray for all of this in Christ's wonderful name. Will you please stand as we close our service? discussion uh, after the service so about five minutes we'll gather back here in the sanctuary and, and uh, Elder uh, Dennis will be leading the discussion today so here's God's benediction to his beloved sons and daughters the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit 
be with you all. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Please greet one another, saints.